Welcome to the emergency goalies again. And only two games this week. It was relatively light week for the Blackhawks. Uh, the first game was Saturday night in Montreal against the Canadians. And as has been the case pretty much the whole time he's been on the Blackhawks, uh, Corey Crawford plays very, very well in Montreal. That's uh, his hometown. And he plays great. And he played great again Saturday. Um, there are only two goals in this game. Murphy's got the first goal. Not a guy you usually uh, associate with scoring goals, but a great pass from Debrinket to Murphy, and he uh, fired it home to make it one nothing. Then, of course, uh, Brandon Perlini, who, again, just stayed red hot, uh, scored the second goal to make it a 2 nothing lead. And after that, Montreal shot a, a lot of shots, I would say. I think it was 48 was the final number. I'm not exactly, but they fired a lot of rubber at Corey Crawford and he stopped it all and got the shutout uh, two to nothing. Now the next game was on Monday night. And first of all, I, I skipped this game in the preview. I went right from Montreal to the Philadelphia game, which is tomorrow. We're recording this on a Wednesday. So I kind of skipped right over the Vancouver game. Mm-hmm. which was Monday night in Chicago. And it seemed like at first the uh, Blackhawks might have skipped over this game too because they did not start out in this game very good. Um, it was all Vancouver for the first about 10 minutes of the game. But then the Blackhawks scored on the power play, uh, tipped by um, Jonathan Taves on a point shot to give them a one nothing lead. But the Canucks picked it right back up again in the second period and they were just, they were all over the Blackhawks. They um, scored two quick goals to go up two to one. And Crawford really played well. I mean, this game could have been six to one with all the chances that the Canucks got. But it remained two to one until late in the third period. Yeah, things were starting to look pretty like the Blackhawks, if they lost this game, because they had a chance to get within three points of the playoffs. But if they dropped this game to a team behind them in the standings, it would not be good, but um, the Blackhawks were able to tie the game with about three minutes left, a point shot from Gustafson that I think it deflected in off a of Canuck, but somehow it bounced off somebody and made it into the net, and uh, the Blackhawks tied the game at two. The game went to overtime, and reminiscent of the early Blackhawk overtime games this year, the Canucks went right down the ice and scored about 10 seconds into overtime. So it was a three to two loss, but they did get a point to move within four points of uh, the Coyotes for the last playoff spot. Uh, The wild, they're three behind the wild and I think three behind the avalanche too, because they beat the wild Uh, last night. Okay. Two. So very compressed in the standings. Yes, it is. But it was uh, three out of four possible points this week. And that's what you're looking for. You want to at least get 75%. So the Blackhawks stay alive. They're still on the outside. Their chances are not great, but they're still alive. So what do you think of these uh, mini two-game stretch we saw? Yeah, I mean, I, I think you you, you kind of hit the nail on the head. Uh, it, it was really a showcase for Crawford. Uh, obviously, the Montreal game... You touched on how well he traditionally has played there and 
This game was no different. He was sensational in that game, obviously posting a shutout, uh, his second of the year. You know, Montreal did end up getting a, a, a decent amount of shots, but I actually felt like the Blackhawks played a fairly solid defensive game. I don't, uh, I think a lot of the shots that Montreal did generate were not of very high quality. So, I think the Hawks did a pretty good job of keeping plays to the perimeter and limiting the high scoring or the high danger chances. So uh, even though Crawford did play exceptionally well in the game, I I do think the rest of the team deserves a little bit of credit for it as well. Um, That was less the case in the Vancouver game. Uh, That was a forwards and the defenseman did not uh, give Crawford uh, much of an effort. Now the first half of the game, maybe even the first full two periods of the game, uh, Blackhawks certainly seemed like they were sleepwalking a little bit. Didn't quite have the same jump in their step, the same commitment that we've seen over the last couple of weeks. And it showed Uh, Vancouver was generating a lot of not just puck possession, but generating good scoring chances off of that puck possession and a couple of breakaways or in odd man rushes and Crawford had to stand strong and did so kept, kept the team in the game, kept the team in the game and, you know, kept them within one goal. And eventually Gustafson was able to, you know, to, to pot that, um, that, that tying goal. And, you know, Crawford stole Crawford stole a point in that game. So that was, uh, you know, encouraging to see, uh, you know, it wasn't very long ago. We were talking about if the Blackhawks were going to get back into it, a lot was going to rest on Crawford's shoulders. And uh, at the time I thought it was, you know, that was a pretty tall ask of Crawford considering the amount of time that he had missed and, you know, and whether endurance would be an issue, rust would be an issue, but at least over the last, uh, you know, three or four games, he's really come on and kind of looks like the Crawford of old and uh, it's made a big difference for the Hawks. So, yeah. And, you know, there's a theme too, that I think we've talked about a little bit on this podcast now, but I want to stretch it out a little bit just for this, that, I mean, poor Dylan Sakura. He's been oh, playing. Geez. He's been playing great, and it's like yeah. he just can't get that first goal to go in. But he's really been good. Yeah, yeah, he's been much more noticeable uh, over the last. Uh, I'd almost say month. Um, it might not be quite that long, but he's carrying the puck more. Uh, he's not losing it as quickly. There are still instances where his physical strength works against him and he is knocked off the puck or, you know, some of those really high quality scoring chances he's getting, he's getting bumped as those shots are taking place. And I think it's just knocking him off a little bit more than it would, uh, you know, a typical player with a little more size and strength. So I, I do think there's still a little bit more adjustment time that he needs, but he's definitely made strides. I mean, he is flying around the ice. He's being much more noticeable, not just in the offensive zone, but in the neutral and defensive zone. Um, 
you know, he's probably never going to be a really, you know, responsible defender, but he's at least putting in effort and he's moving his feet and he is being aggressive and looking to break up some plays. And I I think it's made a, a big difference for him just in terms of, you know, I think it gets the puck on his stick a little bit more in both the defensive and neutral zone. So kind of that transition game that's um, helping propel him into the offensive zone a little bit. And yeah, I mean, the, the goals aren't going in, but he's generating offense. He's generating chances for other players. And those players are also generating chances for him. So I, I do think it's just a matter of time. He's, you know, he's absolutely snake bitten at this point, but it, if he continues to play the way he has been, I have no concern over it. I mean, he, he looks like a viable top nine forward over the last few weeks. So I'm, I'm happy with the progress he's making. Yeah. And, you know, we were kind of touching on this, you know, before with the production from um, Perlini and other people, but it's clear now that Kane is in a bit of a slump. And I mean, it's kind of like, you know, as we were saying, it's almost unsustainable what he was doing before. So it's not that mm-hmm. much of a shock, but it's it's one of those things that we, you'd like to get Kane or Dabrinkit going again for this final little stretch run, but at least they're yeah. in position. I do, I do think they made a, a good decision in the last game where they flip-flopped Saad and uh, Kane. Um, while the... the the initial jolt of the the line jumble, um, what was that, three or four games ago, and putting Kane back with Anisimov, you know, I, I think it helped a little bit. But I, I think over the course of, course of the last few games, if you're playing Kane on that line, Patrick Kane is not getting on the ice nearly as much. And when he is on the ice, he's not playing with quite as good of playmakers. And I, I think it was starting to show a little bit. I mean... Taves and Strom are going to get more ice time than Anisimov uh, with the way the pecking order is right now. So the spreading out of the, the, the big guns over the three lines can sometimes work out, but I, I think it was starting to work against the Hawks a little bit there. And I was happy to see Colleton kind of abandon it in the third period against Vancouver. And I hope he sticks with that. I, they, they switched up that line so that, Kane was playing with Taves and Sakura and I, I wouldn't mind seeing them stick with that. And then having Saad and Cahoon uh, down with Anisimov. And uh, I've kind of made my thoughts known on uh, uh, preferring Saad on that third line role where he can be more the focal point anyway. So I, I, uh, I, I hope he sticks with, that the, the the configuration from the third period in Vancouver. I'm I'm very curious to see how it how it plays out on in Philadelphia. You, you almost wonder, you know, they had a stat on during the Vancouver game about how he'd been playing, averaging like 23 minutes a game, Kane, until recently, and then he was when he moved to the Anisimov line, he was throttled back, and you almost wonder if he was trying like was Colton trying to rest him a little bit more, and then for this final stretch, I don't know. Is that too be thinking too conspiratorially or I think it there was a combination of things with it. Uh, 
him playing on the third line um, probably accounted for maybe a minute or two of that difference. Um, but I, 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 you know, a lot of it was over the last, I mean, we're on a, what, a f- four, f- five game point streak here where the Blackhawks have been playing from ahead most of the time. And so you're not seeing the need to double shift Kane on the fourth line, uh, in an effort to catch back up. And, um, you know, when they're, when they're, when they're losing and they're playing from behind, he's getting an extra minute or two per game in those situations. And we've also not seen the power play out there nearly as much. The Blackhawks just haven't been drawing as many penalties. So, you know, I mean, Kane usually plays at least the first minute and 15 seconds. And sometimes he's out there for the full two minutes if nobody scores. So I, I think that's most of the reason for, you know, the four or five minute difference in his playing time of, of late rather than just the third line stuff. But, um, at this point, you can't afford to not have Patrick Kane out there on a, you know, on your top two lines. You just you can't do it with crunch time now. Yeah, and you know another thing, uh, I was if people follow me on Twitter, they probably saw this during the Vancouver game. But I think they kind of went up. You know, the fourth line was was been playing better, but they kind of overexposed them in the game on Monday, and it kind of showed. And I just think maybe was he. Were they getting a little too confident in the fourth line? But the, when the two goals, they were out there and it wasn't, they weren't playing as good as they had been. Yeah, I, I think there might have been a little bit of that. Um, certainly the one goal I was very unhappy with Chris Kunitz's effort on it. He was standing right next to the guy who scored on a rebound and Kunitz didn't even get a stick on him or anything. But yeah, I mean, unfortunately, we've, I think it was kind of a mistake to rely so much on the fourth line over the last week because the schedule was so light. Um, I mean, in, in one way you can look at it is hopefully it gives them a little bit of confidence in that line uh, going forward. But you look over the next, uh, the last two weeks of the season coming up here and there's no more two days off the most, uh, the, the longest, stretch of days off they have is one it's every other day and occasionally back to back there is there's no more rest so you're going to need all four lines uh rolling on a fairly consistent basis if you hope to be able to maintain um you know a high level of play for for the team over these last couple of weeks it's it's going to be imperative whether or it's going to be imperative for that line to contribute and if it does falter the way it did in Vancouver, um, it's going to likely sink any hopes that the Blackhawks have because they, they can't just roll with three lines for, um, you know, these final, what is it, like nine games in, in like 17 days or something like that. So it's, it's, it's going to be a lot tougher going forward. So you've got... I'm trying to think, like, because there are only two games. Like, what else did? Obviously, Crawford was the big story. Um, the defense, you know. I think we've seen a little bit of improvement. Um, I, I, you know, we kind of talked last week. Gustafson seems to be playing a little bit 
um, more responsibly in, in the defensive zone. And I think he's continued to do that. You know, he's, he, he still surprises every once in a while with some physical play. He'll rub guys off of the puck. And I, I think he's being a, much more responsible with his gap and not giving the opposing players so much space and just trusting his ability to uh, defend. And I, I do think it is making a difference. And I think that can be a big boost for this team heading into next season. If uh, he plays, if he continues to play well over the last couple of weeks of the season um, and, you know, they could, potentially have some confidence in him as a top four defender uh, heading into next year. Cuckoo played a little bit too. And was again, looked okay. You know, there, we haven't seen these like massive letdowns that we saw earlier in the year. Cause there were games yeah. early in the year where it was just like a fire drill back there and you'd see people wide open and now stuff like that. still occasionally happens, but it seems like it's a lot less of like, it's not as blatantly bad play. Yeah, they're definitely tightening up a little bit uh, in the defensive zone, which is, uh, you know, a very good sign. Uh, I do see Forsling continue to have probably the the most frequent gaffes, but he's also been making a few pretty nice plays over the last couple of weeks. And, of course, we got to remember he's three or four years younger than Dahlstrom and uh, Cuckoo, so... You know, it, it, you wouldn't expect him to be quite as polished as those guys. And, I mean, then he's like five years younger than Gustafson, I think. So, uh, you know, he, it, I think sometimes we unfairly judge uh, Forsling as if he's in the same boat as those three guys. Um, whereas I think... In reality, he's obviously a little bit further behind those guys and probably has a little more ups. Well, I shouldn't say probably. He definitely has more upside than Cuckoo and Dahlstrom. Uh, It's one of those things, too. Um, There's like, because, yeah, he's making making some nice plays on the offensive end, too. But, yeah, yeah, there there is a moment like, you know, I think it was the Vancouver game when he went back on the puck and, like, didn't know which way to turn with the puck and, like, went left and went right and kind of got stuck. And you're like, just kind of ate it into the boards and yeah, didn't, didn't make a play. There's still, there's still times where his brain just cramps up and uh, you have plays like that, or he just makes an egregious turnover. Um, So yeah, there's definitely still a learning curve with him at this point, but I have all, you know, like you said, I've been encouraged with some of his play in the neutral zone and the offensive end. And he does still surprise on occasion, making a nice outlet pass from the defensive zone or, uh, skating away from danger. So, yeah, I mean, I'm still, I'm still hopeful for Forsling long-term, but I I would definitely say of their seven defensemen right now, uh, you know, do or die here over the next couple of weeks, I would not be relying on him in a significant role at all. I would feel a little more confident going with Cuckoo. Um, in these games, but we'll see how it plays out. I, they've been pretty consistent with rotating those guys in. Nobody seems to play more than three or four games in a row before they rotate them out. So we'll see if that continues. Well, I guess um, I wouldn't normally find some more, but you know, we're in this playoff drive. So I think we should just get to the preview because we can talk a little bit yeah, more about all these games. Cause there's some big games coming up. 
big, big games coming up. Uh, the first one is not so much a big game. Well, I mean, as much as any of the games from now on, from here on out, aren't big. Uh, Eastern Conference game. It's at home, so you would definitely like to uh, get at least one point out of it. Uh, and it's against the Flyers tomorrow night. Um, the Flyers are kind of a mirror of the Hawks over in the Eastern Conference. They are a high-scoring team that doesn't defend very well. The Flyers have more goaltending issues than the Blackhawks do. Um, but, you know, they got guys like Giroux and Couturier who score at a pretty high rate. And, you know, there's a pretty good chance that this is going to be a, a run-and-gun game. Uh but, you know, hopefully that gives the Hawks the advantage playing both at home and depending, well, assuming Crawford starts, uh, you know, to have the advantage in the, in the goaltending in that game. So it would give the Hawks a big advantage if they can get two points out of that heading into the weekend. And the weekend is, you know, that's really, it's going to be a huge test for the Hawks. It's a uh, home and home with the Colorado Avalanche. The first game's on the road Saturday afternoon. So, you know, it, it obviously with the back-to-back, you know, Crawford's probably only going to start one of them. I shouldn't say probably. I, I It's almost assuredly Crawford's only going to start one of them. So I'm curious to see how they do that, you know, whether it, it's the, the first game to try and, you know, steal that, those points and give yourself a little bit of a cushion heading into the second one. Uh, rather than, you know, having to play desperate in the second one. Uh, but then, yeah, they, they come back home and face the Avalanche uh, Sunday night. And, yeah, I mean, the the, the Avalanche are, have traditionally been a pretty tough matchup for the Hawks. Uh, the speed of guys like McKinnon has given them issues. And uh, Varlamov has occasionally stolen games as well. Um, so we have definitely not seen the Hawks have some of their better efforts against the avalanche, but at the same time, we've also seen some good games. So I, if you can get a split out of it, I don't know how much good that does the Hawks. I think they really need to take at least three points out of those four. Um, Cause that's really what's going to be able to separate them. Yeah. Uh, I mean, with the, the Avalanche, they are currently the team right ahead of the Hawks. Uh, the Hawks do have a game in hand against them, so we're two points behind them. So if we can win that Flyers game, we'll be tied with the Avalanche heading into that that two-game series. And, you know, if you can get three out of the four, you vault over them, and that's going to make a big difference because uh, then you head into um, – the uh, matchup against the uh, Coyotes who currently hold the final playoff spot. And that game is on uh, Tuesday night. And uh, obviously we're very familiar with, you know, a lot of the Coyotes. They are uh, riding pre- a, a pretty good uh, hot streak. Although we did, uh, beat the crap out of them a couple of weeks back in one of the Hawks better efforts of the season. We knocked uh, Kemper out of the game and, uh, but you know, he's been playing strong. So it's, uh, it's going to be a, 
a pretty interesting battle. Um, Is that game in um, Arizona or Chicago? Oh yeah, sorry, no, it's in Arizona, so okay. it's it's kind of a funky schedule. We play it Phil- in, uh, against Philadelphia at home, travel to Colorado Saturday, come back to Chicago on Sunday, then travel back out to Arizona on Tuesday. So, and of course, um, it goes without saying that the Blackhawks will have a home crowd advantage in Arizona because they always yes. have a lot of fans here. Yeah, well, not, not only do they always have a lot of fans in Arizona, just in general, but. Uh, it only gets exacerbated this time of year with spring training still going on. Yep. So you got a lot of Cubs and, Black, and White Sox fans already down there. Uh, so, yeah, that's definitely going to hopefully pro- propel the Hawks a little bit, give them a little bit of energy. There, there will definitely be a large contingent of fans down there for that. So, yeah. And, you know, we've, we've been said this before, you know, big series, but this, like, Wednesday, when we do this again, and a week from Wednesday or a week from today, we will know if the Blackhawks are going to make the playoffs or not. Basically, <laughs> yeah, because uh, after the, after these three, those three games, uh, the two against Colorado and then the one against Arizona, um, you know, they they've only got one remaining game over their final uh, five that are against anybody that they're in competition with, and that's they got one game left against Dallas. Yeah, I guess a better way to say it is we don't know if they'll make it, but we'll know for sure if they're out. Like, Right, yeah. I mean, you're facing the team that's directly ahead of you twice and then the team that holds the final playoff spot, you know, just ahead of them. So, yeah, it's a gigantic stretch of games, and the Hawks need to continue – to play the way that they have been outside of the, those two periods in Vancouver. Um, so yeah, it, well, and the, the, the third, get rid of the first two periods in Vancouver and the one bad period in Toronto and, mm-hmm. uh, stick, stick more with what we've seen from the other, uh, four or five games in this recent stretch. Yeah, but they did earn themselves a chance. So I guess that's yeah. all you can ask for. <laughs> You keep trying to bury them, and they keep uh, saying, "Nope, we're gonna stick. We're gonna stay right here. We're gonna we're gonna stick stick with it and showing the character anyway." Yep, but this is this is it. This is the big stretch that they've got to. They don't have any margin for error in these games. They can't. They've got to. They've got to win them. Yep. Yeah. No. They they got to take. Uh, Boy, you'd almost want to say five out of the six, or I shouldn't even say six. There's eight points available, so I, you probably need at least six, and comfortably, you probably want seven if you if you really want to have a, a good shot. Because there's just they got the couple of teams ahead of them, and they're playing the teams that are important. So got to got to steal these points. You can't let those other teams, you know, they're they're three point, you know, they're they're swing games. So too important to lose at this point. Yep. So I guess we will be back next week to see if the Blackhawks still have life. And if they don't, we'll kind of, we can pivot toward the season ahead, the off season ahead and the draft and stuff. But hopefully we'll still be able to talk about uh, playoff chances ahead, but this Mm -hmm. week will tell. As always, I'm SKH85 on Twitter and Michael. MJ underscore Ernst. Yep. And you can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. Just look up the emergency goalies. Uh, you got any comments about the podcast? Just 
you can send me or Michael a message on Twitter. You can also rate and review it on iTunes. Like, just let us know you're listening. We always like to, we always like it when people say they're listening to the podcast. So, um, until next week, uh, we will talk to you then, and hopefully the Blackhawks will take care of some business.